Hey everybody, welcome to episode 156 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is Chris coming to you from Austin, Texas. As always, excited to be with you. And I had a different topic to cover this week for this episode, but I've decided to switch things up because I've had some things on my mind that I want to share and process out loud with you. Hopefully it will be helpful for you as well. But I wanted to talk in more depth about my thoughts and reactions to the revelations from Mary Kane about her treatment at the Nike Oregon Project. And if you haven't already seen and watched the New York Times video op-ed on her story about how she was treated and how she was shamed and abused over her weight with Salazar at the Oregon Project, then I would encourage you to stop listening Go watch that first and maybe get up to speed on some of those allegations before you finish this episode because I think that's important context and I'll have it all linked in the show notes for you to to check out. I would assume though that most of you, given that you're fans of the sport, have probably already seen it as it was not only all over the place in terms of our sport, but it was also all over the place and in general news media, including on the Today Show and and other outlets in addition to the New York Times. And as I've been thinking about it, it's just a really important topic to spend some time on that I think not only covers how we should think about advocating for people that speak out in the face of of injustice or uh, in the face of bad behavior like we're talking about with the Oregon Project, but also I think it has implications on how we all operate in the sport, not only as athletes, but also as coaches, as fans, as people that care. And I don't know exactly how how this is going to go. I've got some thoughts and notes to, to cover, but mainly I just wanted to process out loud some of what I've been thinking about as it relates to this topic and hopefully it will help you process it as well and as I dive into it I'm here to also tell you that I don't have all the answers and I am still processing things and trying to educate myself and be better myself as a coach on in these areas and while I generally believe that I think about it in a much healthier way than what Mary Kane describes her as her as her experience with Salazar and the Oregon Project I still know that I have things to learn and things to be better about myself as a coach and as an athlete and I'm open to those things so I'm hoping that this also creates some dialogue that you guys will find productive and I'm also planning to follow this episode as I'm able to pull together information and resources on this topic have follow-up episodes to talk about it in more depth I put it out to the Twitterverse earlier this week that I'd like to get a, a high level female coach on the show to talk about this topic specifically and talk specifically how coaches can create healthy dynamics with their athletes as it relates to this topic topic of body weight and body image and and so if you know a female coach that would like to engage with me on that discussion via the podcast then please send them my way and or if you have thoughts feedback commentary on this discussion you can share that with me at chris at roguerunning.com i definitely welcome the dialogue and welcome all perspectives as again I'm trying to shape my own here but as I said I wanted to use this a little bit to process and I'm going to kind of divide the discussion or the thought processes into two different areas the one the first will be really thinking about how we process and advocate for those that speak out like Mary Kane and and that's sort of one set of things I want to discuss and then the second is how we think about this discussion around 
body weight and running and our sport because it is a topic that I think is top of mind for many of us. And there is definitely a pervasive undercurrent within our sport that thinner equals faster. And that can be dangerous and can be pushed to the extremes that obviously Mary Kane experienced, but also exists, I think, in much more seemingly innocuous ways in our world that can also be very, very dangerous and potentially impact people in in serious ways as well, but that maybe we're not aware of. So I want to cover that on the second half of the discussion, including just talking a little bit about how I think about it as a coach. And again, as I said here, I've got, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I don't know everything I need to know, but I'm here with an open mind who, and, and here to process these things and think through it and spend time on it. Because I think anytime somebody like Mary Kane takes the opportunity to not only show what happened to her and the negative things associated with that, it's also important that we all look in the mirror and learn what we can can from her story. So let's talk about that. First of all, as I said, I wanted to kind of talk about how do we advocate for people that have been treated unjustly? And this is well beyond the topic of running, but is, I think, a topic that is increasingly relevant in our world because there, fortunately, we're in a place where a lot of people who have been previously mistreated, discriminated against, or otherwise wronged are giving, or have been given an opportunity and a platform to share their stories in a way that wouldn't have happened maybe 10 years ago. And I really appreciate the bravery that it takes for somebody like Mary Kane to stand up, to look into a camera, to tell her story, to talk about how she was treated unjustly and abused because none of us I think can fully understand how hard that is, especially to do it in such a public forum. I've gotten the opportunity to get to know Kara Goucher a little bit, and I've heard some of her stories about how she's, or the things she's had to deal with in coming forward with her story. And so I've gotten a little window into it, but even with that, even with her stories of behind the scenes, how hard it is and the stress that comes with it and the emotion that comes with it and the ridicule that comes with sharing truth, I still feel like I only have a tiny sliver of a picture of what that would be like just simply because it's not something I've ever had to do myself. And so, first of all, I just wanted to recognize the inspiration that everyone should should see and receive from somebody like Mary coming forward and being so brave to share her story because I can guarantee you that an immense amount of stress and then subsequent stress after even telling the story comes with that. And none of us, unless you've done it, I think can fully understand the magnitude of what that's like coming forward. And so just first wanted to say thank you to Mary for being willing And it's such an important topic. But as someone, and I struggle with this, I think, particularly because I'm a white heterosexual male who hasn't, you know, or who comes from a place of built-in privilege in our society and who doesn't and hasn't faced the trauma, the discrimination, the marginalization that other groups face, including, of course, women. I struggle with finding my voice in supporting and advocating 
for those that do not because I can't relate and because because I don't want to support but because part of me thinks that I don't have the right to say anything because I don't understand the type of discrimination or marginalization or trauma that comes from those in groups of you know women or of different ethnicities that have faced things that I will never face simply because I'm a white heterosexual male and I don't know how other feel how others in my position feel about that but sometimes I feel like I don't have a right to speak because I can't understand the place that that someone can come from to be marginalized and and at the same time I know that I have to because I do come from a place where unfortunately I might be the only one that somebody would listen to because of that so-called privilege and I can tell you that that's a really conflicting feeling because I also know that I have to be very careful about how I use my voice. And so part of what I wanted to talk about now is how do we, how do we help elevate the voices of people like Mary Kane, of people like Kara Goucher of others that have spoken out against trauma, injustice, marginalization. How do we elevate those voices regardless of the place that we're coming from? And especially from a place of maybe not fully understanding. And because I'm still processing it myself. And so when I talk about these things, as I'm going to talk about it now, I want to, I want, I'm going to talk about it, not in a place of I'm trying to preach because I'm really not. Again, what I said at the beginning applies. I'm trying to process and I'm trying to, to recognize a challenge that some may face in terms of how they can help in these situations. I'm trying to recognize that challenge and then through my, through, and then basically talk about my own processing of it to hopefully help others be empowered to say something, to stand up, to help elevate voices like Mary Kane's so that we can end injustice so that we can make a difference. And so that's what I'm trying to do with these statements that I'm about to make in terms of what we can do to help so again, I'm not preaching. I'm not saying I know all the answers. I'm just telling you as I process, here are the things that I think I can do in order to help elevate the voices of people like Mary Kane, even though I haven't come from a place that can relate to her story. That's never happened to me. And as a male in running, I've never been faced with those types of pressures. And, and I also know, look, some men face that. I have not. I know probably more women face that and that's the part where I think some men would step back and say, well, how can I help? I, you know, I have no, I have no idea where she's coming from. And so, so I just want to talk about what I'm processing as I think about how I can help, how I can help elevate the voices of those that have been abused, traumatized, marginalized, wronged in the case of Mary Kane or in the case of Kara Goucher. Those are two examples and, and, we should all stand and get behind people like that that are willing to use their voice to try to make a difference for others. And so as I think about it, the first thing I think about is just listening. First step, just listen. And I think it's really hard to truly do that. You know, I think all of us, you know, especially in this day and age when we're 
when we don't want to take a lot of time to digest things, we're kind of going from one piece of content to the next and moving quickly, really trying to listen and understand. For me, that meant watching the video of Mary Kane's several times as an example, because each time I, I listened to it, I kind of picked up some different components of what she was talking about. And I think this comes in the form of anybody who's speaking out and or stepping up and advocating is like first really just listen and understand and, and don't react. Don't form judgment. Don't respond just listen first and really, really try to understand what she's talking about and what she dealt with. As I've looked online, you'll see people on both sides of this discussion. And, you know, I think you would think that most people would be supportive of Mary Kane speaking out. But of course, the trolls come out and. You know, I think there's two general themes I've seen from the internet trolls that might talk against what Mary is is talking about. One would say, one category of responders would say, you know, why did you stay? It's your fault, Mary. You shouldn't have stayed. You know, you could have left that group. You could have said, no, this isn't for me and moved on. And so that's one kind of category. The second category of people sort of say, look, weight matters in running. And, you know, coaches need to be pushing hard on that to try to get results. And it's not Salazar's fault that Mary Kane couldn't handle it, essentially. That she just wasn't tough enough to deal with how he approached it and and Salazar just had her best interest in trying to get the fastest version of her out. And so those were kind of two themes you would hear from those internet trolls that would speak out against what Mary Kane was talking about. And, and it's clear to me that those are extreme examples, but those are people that aren't really listening to what we're talking to, what she was talking about. They weren't really understanding the fact that she was, you know, in this place trying to do something she loved, trying to be the best at it, isolated from her family, and had these people that she considered role models and coaches and that, as she talked about in her response to Salazar's statement, that she still loved. And so... In that situation when you're alone and you think these people have your best interest at heart and you're not sure what it takes to be the best of the best, but you think you're surrounded by people that know, your only thought process, if they're telling you that you're not where you should be, is what's wrong with me? Why am I not getting it? I... I must be wrong here. They must be right. Look at the success they have had. And 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 so she got into a place, obviously, where she was very lonely and isolated. And she was beating herself up over this because it seemed that those who had her best interest, theoretically would have her best interests at heart, should know better. And they didn't. And not to mention the fact that she was a child and 16 when she joined the group. So, you know, so isn't really in a place at that stage to make decisions for herself from a, even from a legal standpoint. So she should be protected by those around her, just like we protect children in many other ways. And so the trolls clearly aren't listening and understanding but I also don't necessarily think that all of us are either. And, and so, you know, I spent most of those first few days after the revelations came out of really just listening and processing all the reactions because you see people like Kara come out and speak. You see people like Lauren Fleshman come out and speak. You see other women tell their stories 
about how they may have been shamed or emotionally abused in similar ways. And you start to put the full picture together in a much better way if you just keep your mouth shut and soak it in before you try to have a perspective before you speak. And so to me, just listening and not only listening to Mary Kane, but listening to everybody who has a perspective is important. The second thing, you know, is really just underst- trying to understand with open mind. You know, for me, I try to throw out my preconceived notions about what I might think about how we should think about weight and running and really try to just understand, listen, then understand and understand in a new way and assume for a second that maybe I don't have the right answers, even if I think I might or I think I might operate better about this than others, but sort of assume for a second that I just don't know anything. And again, just try to soak in all those various perspectives. As a part of that, you know, I learned some things about Red S which is the syndrome that Mary talked about she had, which, you know, for those that don't know, stands for relative energy deficiency in sports. It's a condition that affects particularly younger athletes who aren't getting the energy, the calories, the nutrients they need to perform. It has particular implications for women and young female athletes that are, that are probably more extreme than young male athletes. And I will say that before this revelation from Mary Kane, I'd heard about this idea of Red S, but I didn't really know much about it. And so reading about it in more depth, listening to some of or reading some of Lauren Fleshman's tweets where she talked about it, really helped educate me on some things that, yeah, I was aware of at the highest level, but not really aware of at the deepest level. And so trying to understand more to me is a really necessary second step. From there, you know, I think before even forming an opinion or trying to speak an opinion yourself or a perspective, the next thing I think about is just elevating the voices of others who do know, who do understand. And as again, someone who's never faced this kind of trauma from a coach abuse from a coach who's never had somebody look at me and say, you need to be a certain weight in order for your, in order for you to perform as, as you know, as someone who hasn't been able to relate to that directly from experience, what can I do? Well, I can share and elevate the voices of those who had And, you know, that seems silly on social media, right? Because that may may mean retweeting, that may mean liking, that may mean just simply showing support by following somebody, that sort of social media level stuff that I think actually matters. Because if you like something on Twitter, you like something on Instagram, then it'll show up in more people's feeds. So hopefully more people can be exposed to it. Your followers can see it. Your followers can become educated and why that might, that might seem kind of silly because we're talking about a digital world. I think it's important, you know, beyond that, you know, I think to the extent that you can elevate voices in other ways that becomes important in whatever platform you might have by talking to people about it that might be in your running group, talking to people about it that might be coworkers that show interest. And instead of saying, hey, did you know about this story? Here's my opinion on it. Say, did you know about this story about Mary Kane? You should also read about 
Lauren Fleshman talking about it in this way or Kara Goucher talking about it in that way. And, and I, and I strongly believe that you can better influence people in our world by instead of thrusting your opinion at them or your perspective at them, share other credible opinions and then let them kind of take those and do with it what they will. Again, there's the digital version of that, but there's also the 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 in-person conversation version of that. So those are some things I think about. Another thing I think about is reflecting on my situation. And if there have been any cases, whether it be related to something like Mary Kane's situation or related to other situations that maybe I stood silent and let happen without advocating for somebody in the past. Think about those situations and then to the extent that you need to go, go have a conversation and apologize. I was struck by, and this was again, an un, this was unrelated to the topic of Mary Kane's story, but I was struck this week, particularly this last week, particularly about a situation in the past where it wasn't me doing something wrong, but I saw somebody else doing something wrong to someone and I didn't, and it wasn't think of the same level of the Mary Kane situation, but it was still something wrong that I should have stood up for. And it was a while ago and I didn't know what I know now then, but it's still some, there was somebody I should have stood up for and I didn't, or should have advocated for and I didn't. And so I made a phone call last week and I just said, I'm sorry. And the Mary Kane revelation kind of made me realize because I'd thought about that person in the past and that I'd done something there or not done something, but I should have advocated for somebody in that situation and I didn't. And so I'd thought about that in the past and thought about reaching out and apologizing, but, but I hadn't, but then watching Mary Kane talk about her story and how particularly Shalane came forward and said, Hey, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't stand up and ask you about it. And she apologized for that to Mary Kane on Twitter. And so that made me think I need to go back and say that because you never know how those words might actually affect somebody. But I do think recognizing those situations in the past, whether it be about cases like Mary Kane is talking about, about or other cases where you didn't do the right thing or advocate for somebody or stand up and stop something when you should have. It's okay to reflect on that. Apologize and move forward because you just never know how that might affect someone, how they might be dealing with that situation. So that's something I think we can all do is go back and apologize in cases where we haven't done the right thing or haven't stood up when we should have or hadn't said something when we should have or haven't checked in on something or somebody when we should have. So that's something else I think about. Another thing I think about is then, okay, what can we do? What can I do from an action standpoint? And and that list is long. Part of it is, I think, for all of us, and I'll talk more about this when I get into the, the next chapter, is being really aware and cognizant about how we talk about in this specific case, how we talk about weight and running. And again, while I think about, I do, while I think I think about it in a healthy way, and I think I generally do, there's still some areas where I can learn and where I can make sure I'm using language that doesn't reinforce perhaps bad concepts, bad ideas, bad behaviors. And so really being careful about how we use our words, I think is a part of it. Acting, how do we, as a coach, how can I be better? 
at talking about these things, you know, and for me, just as an example, again, I'll talk more about my general philosophy in a second, but uh, one thing I think I do that I need to be better about is that sometimes I avoid the discussion of weight altogether, even in cases where I know somebody might be struggling in the area because I'm afraid to talk about it because I'm afraid to say the wrong thing or reinforce negative behavior or, or not negative is not the right word, or reinforce behavior that may not be healthy behavior. And so sometimes I avoid, avoid intervention, avoid conversation because I'm worried about how to deal with what might, I might be perceiving as unhealthy behavior or unhealthy thought patterns in an athlete and I need to be better about that. And while I can't make an impact at a national level like somebody like Mary King can, I can make an impact in my community with the athletes that I talk about. And so I need to not necessarily be afraid to have those conversations and I need to learn and equip myself with with strategies and information to address those situations when I might see something unhealthy happening. And while again, I'm not a dietitian or nutritionist and I should never be playing one as a coach, I shouldn't avoid the topic. I don't think when I feel like something unhealthy might be happening with someone. So that's one area for me that I take away as an action and, you know, of course, I also have a platform like I have here with this podcast and with the Clean Sport Collective podcast to just help create or help foster discussion and, and information flow about things like that. So not set things like this, topics like this. So I'll definitely be using that platform to the extent that I can, including, again, trying to get a female coach on specifically to talk about this topic. So those are, those are things I can do, but, but beyond that, sometimes it's even as simple as just standing with people that would speak out. You know, I think about what I'm doing with the clean sport collective podcast. And while the boat I have individually is pretty small on the grand scheme through this podcast. And yes, I do. We do have a lot of listeners that's grown over the years. We're about to hit, I'll hit a million downloads before the end of the year, which is amazing. While I have influence in this small, smaller boat, I don't have the same influence that a Mary Kane has through New York times. I don't have the same influence that a Kara Goucher has through her platforms. And so what can I do? Well, jump out of my boat and jump in their boats and do what I can to rock, to make waves. I know Kara Goucher's making waves and, and I am inspired so much by the fact that she's willing to do that with her story. And it's not about me at all, but I'm going to jump in her boat because I've had that opportunity to do so and rock, rock that boat just like she does so that we can turn little ripples of water into waves that will eventually make change. And, you know, if I'm just in my own little tiny running road boat rocking, I can have a certain impact, but if I'm willing to jump in somebody else's boat who has a bigger platform, then we can make even bigger waves and make even bigger change. And so I'm here for that. And Again, it's not about me anyway. It's about the change that we can make for the future athletes in this sport and the future of this sport. And so I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about standing with others that have platforms so that we can make bigger impact together You know, than we can do on our own. And as those who might be listening to this, if you're still listening, just think about that. You know, who, who are those that you can... Un- that you can stand with, that you can work with in 
in whatever way that you can and whatever community that you're a part of and whatever connections that you might have, how can you just stand and lift up and help elevate the platforms, the voices of others so that you can make a bigger impact together? And I think particularly for the men who might be listening, I think you need to ask yourself about that question related to the women in your world, the women in your life, because in general, in our world, we know that the female voice is not elevated in the way it should be. And that's changing and it's starting to change in ways that are very, very positive. But there's so much more that needs to happen. And it's not about men standing up and kind of mansplaining and yelling over the top of women to to try to make an impact. Sometimes it's just saddling, saddling up next to them, standing with them helping elevate their voices from behind the scenes because their voices need to be heard and in many ways can have more impact than your own if you're willing to help. And so for the men that might be still listening, think about that. Who are the women in your life? Who are the role models in your life that you can stand with not to take their message and and put it out there yourself, but to stand with them and help them elevate their own message to have even more impact. And it's to me so, so important for men to think about that in all forms, not just in the form like we're talking about with Mary Kane and the abuse that she faced and the body shaming and the emotional abuse that she says, not just that, but also all forms that, that women have been in a, have been treated, mistreated and, or not given a voice in all forms. We need to stand up and help them deliver their message and have more impact with their voice. Not because they need us to, we know they don't but simply because they need the opportunity and we need to give them the space to have their voice elevated because for so long our world has just shut it down. So think about that. How can you help elevate the voice of women in your life? Again, not to take their message, not to steal their voice, but simply to help magnify it for them. So, So those are some things I think about when it comes to advocating and acting on those who might speak out against abuse, injustice, wrongdoing. So that's the first part of my discussion. And again, I welcome all thoughts on this because I'm trying to shape my own. I'm trying to be better about acting myself. And I appreciate the discussion and all of the the feedback Second part of this discussion, I want to talk about the idea specifically of body weight and running and how I think about it as a coach, how I think about it as an athlete, because it's such an important topic because in general, in our world, and, and we're not alone in this as runners, we, there's a common misperception that being thin equals fast or that less weight is better or less weight is faster. Even the idea of race weight itself kind of builds in this idea that there's some magical goal weight that you can get to that you where to where you can perform your best as a runner. And the more and more I think we learn and think about that idea and that concept is that it's really, really dangerous and really, really wrong. It's not how it works. Weight in and of itself is should not be an end goal in order to be your best performing self. It's just, it's, it's dangerous. It's unhealthy. It leads to behaviors, I think, that can be counterproductive. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit about it, but I also recognize that, again, I don't know everything on this topic and I'm learning and I'm open to learning. So I'm going to talk about some things from my perspective, but again, I could be wrong in some of these areas and I have certainly more to learn. So please share, please comment. 
please email me if you have a different perspective or if you have things to add to the discussion. And I also want to recognize that as an athlete myself, this is definitely a trap that I've fallen into in the past where I've at various times thought that I needed to get to a certain weight in order to perform. And I've talked a little bit about that on prior episodes, including the most recent episode, body image episode that I that, uh, that I had with Jesse Barnes and Peter Hogan, two of my athletes in the Rogue Morning Show here in Austin, episode 134. So I would definitely check out that episode if you haven't already, where we talk about some of these topics. But again, I've been guilty of it myself. So I understand the challenge, the tension. I also understand that there's a huge continuum, a huge spectrum at which different people struggle with this topic. And it goes, it you know, and it runs everywhere from the things that Mary Kane faced, where she was very clearly emotionally and physically abused to try to get her to a certain weight in order to perform at a certain level. And that all happened in the magnifying glass that was elite level training and racing. And so her version of this is, is completely at one end of the spectrum and, and obviously an extreme example of this, but it also happens in many and manifest in many different other ways. And in some of those ways that may be seemingly innocuous, but that could have deep impact. And so, you know, I want to share a brief story because I think it kind of paints a picture of perhaps the continuum that we're talking about. And I share the story not to to make light or to minimize at all the things that Mary Kane faced or to minimize the things that others might face in this area, but to just hopefully show you that, that this challenge in our sport of sort of, of body shaming or thinking that weight equals, equals performance can come in a lot of different ways and a lot of different formats and, or, can present itself in really seemingly innocuous ways, but that might have deep impact for some people. And so last week I was, uh, I was running with some other coaches in town and, and runners in town and this coach in Austin, Gilbert Tuabonia, who's a, a competitor of sorts, has his own training groups here in Austin, but is also a friend and we're, we're, in my opinion, not so much competitors, but we're, but we're peers and we have great respect for each other and we approach things differently, but, but we're both good at what we do and we both have people that follow us and believe in what we do and, and that's all good and healthy. And so Gilbert and I saw each other at the track earlier on Wednesday morning and, and we were chatting and I, I said, Hey, I'm going for a run at eight. And he's like, Hey, you should swing by the track, pick me up. Let's go for a run together today. And so we did. And occasionally we'll see each other on the trail and jump in together and chat and kind of catch up. And so we have a great friendship as well as, uh, I think a mutual respect. And so that morning it ended up being him and I, and then two other runners that, did a seven mile loop here on the trail, came back. He's like, Hey, let's take a picture. So we did took a little selfie of the four of us and that picture he posted it on his Facebook and Instagram. And so a lot of people were commenting and liking it and, and, you know, doing all the normal things you would do with social media posts that are positive. And the picture was interesting because I think three of us, you could really only see our shoulders and above, including me and Gilbert and then another friend of mine, Adam. And then, uh, and then Mark Pinalis was with us. who's a elite level athlete in town who was qualified for the Olympic trials. And he was running with us during a recovery run. And you could see his kind of, uh, face and, and chest and, and abs. And he's got a pretty impressive six pack of abs. And somebody had the comment, 
which I think, you know, again, you would think this was fairly innocuous, but somebody made the comment, hey, you guys should all eat a pizza. And, you know, I think five years ago, had I read that comment, I would have not really thought much about it. But knowing what I know now and the awareness that I have about these issues, it really hit me that there's a lot of things like that, words that we use to body shame each other, regardless of our form and shape. And, you know, the guy, the guy that made the comment was clearly trying to make a joke, wasn't really trying, I think, to, to directly body shame anyone. But in this case, really, he was. And, and the implications of that and lang- language like that or words like that or flippant comments like that that are going to come in the form from a lot of different places of especially as the holidays approach of, Hey, you need to eat more. You're too skinny or, or, you know, it might be the flip side for some people of, Hey, you know, you don't need that dessert or whatever it may be. It's, it's really dangerous language to play with. And I think we all need to be better about being aware of how our, perceptions about weight and body image and shape actually affects how we talk, how we interact with people, how we act. And again, while that is a fairly innocuous example, harmless example that probably nobody in that picture really even thought about, but it could have been a trigger for some people or for some individuals that could have been really dangerous. And again, I don't want to say in any way that, that that experience or that comment compares in any way to the things Mary, Mary Kane faced, but I think it hopefully paints a picture of that. This idea of body shaming of, of negative discussion about weight and food and, body shape can come in a lot of different forms from the seemingly innocuous to the obviously really, really tragic and dangerous situations like Mary Kane and heartbreaking situations that Mary Kane is talking about. And we all need to be more aware of not only how we think about these things as individual athletes, but also about how we talk about them, how we process them, how we use weight or not to, in the discussion about performance. And again, this manifests in so many different ways for everybody, but I think we can all relate to the fact that at some point we have felt shame or been shamed directly. We've either felt shame ourselves or been shamed directly over how we look, whether it be related to our performance or not, male, female, quote unquote fast, quote unquote slow, quote unquote, you know, athletes that have higher BMIs and athletes that have lower BMIs, all shapes, all sizes, all ages, all genders. You know, we've all either felt shame or been directly shamed because of how we looked. And I know we all sit here and think about, man, if I was just this weight, I could be faster. We've all been through those thought processes. So how do we take, you know, the opportunity to see the worst version of that in what Mary Kane experiences experienced and then learn about how do we, how are we better so that anybody who might be feeling or experiencing that could, could hopefully get help or think about it in a healthier way or get support from somebody they need it in a better way so that's what I want to talk about a little bit here and as a coach I think I generally think about it in a healthy way except as I mentioned before sometimes I avoid the topic and maybe I shouldn't because I just don't know what to say but in general my thought processes as a coach is that healthy inputs 
equals healthy outputs. And I think what becomes really dangerous is when we fix on the output, we fixate on the outputs and then therefore bastardize the inputs to try to get a certain output. And in this case, I think for a lot of us, a certain weight becomes an output that we're married to, glued to, trying to hit so that we can get to a place where we think we can perform at our level instead of, and so then we take shortcuts to get there. We bastardize the inputs in order to get some number on the scale that we think will allow us to perform at our best. But if instead, if instead of flipping it upside down like that, if we just focus on the healthy inputs, healthy balanced training that has the right balance of stress and rest, healthy balanced nutrition so that we're getting the whole foods, the nutrients, the energy that we need to perform that training. If we focus on the healthy habits that go into it and worry less about the outputs, then the body will find what is optimal. The body will get you to that place where you can perform. And so to me, that's how we need to think about it instead of flipping it upside down and sort of focusing on a number and then bastardizing the inputs to get to the outputs, just focus on those healthy inputs. And if we have healthy inputs, then we will have healthy outputs and we will get the results that we need. And I've, I've seen a lot of people say, well, it matters, right? I mean, weight matters with running because you know, the, the leaner you are, the faster you can go. Well, I don't necessarily think that that's true. I, I mean, I gave an example on that episode with Jesse and Peter, episode 134, that for me at, and again, this is just one example for me. It doesn't apply to others. It might look different for others. So I'm not trying to generalize here. I'm just trying to tell you an example, you know, at a lower weight in that, in that podcast I talked about at a lower weight, I ended up with a stress fracture and a personal worst walking the last five miles of the Boston Marathon and at a weight that was ended up being heavier. I ended up with a personal PR because I switched to healthier inputs, didn't worry so much about the outputs, the weight, and then ultimately ended up with a result that got me what I wanted. And, you know, if I think about what impacts weight, just even within a day, or even within a short period of time. You know, my weight can fluctuate five pounds on a given day based on hydration alone, especially in the summer here in Austin. Sometimes even more than that. And oftentimes I've gone into a marathon and, you know, in moments where I have been looking at a scale, we'll see a higher number on the scale going right into a marathon than maybe I had seen prior in prior prior weeks, prior months. And I think many times often that's because it's just simply I've been hydrating well that week and you're carrying that extra water weight that you need to sustain yourself for 26.2 miles. And so if my weight can fluctuate as much as five pounds on a given day because of hydration alone, something that I need to fuel the process water, something I need to fuel the process of respiration, then how can I sit here and say there's a certain weight that's going to get me my results? So I would propose that we just throw that out, that throw that idea out completely, this idea of race weight, this idea of focusing ever on a weight target. Because I don't think it's healthy and it reinforces behaviors that again, like I said, kind of leads to bastardizing the inputs. And so as a coach, it's not something that I ever worry about or talk about or even want to know for an athlete. Now, again, I'm not a coach who's coaching at the elite level, who's coaching at the very highest levels in sports. So it is different for me as a coach. But to me, it's all about what's the work that we're doing? What are the healthy inputs that we need to do in order to get our performance? And I'm here to say, I don't think actually weight 
matters at all as a metric to worry about. What matters is, are you doing the work? And are you, do you have healthy nutrition in your life? And, and it's not my job as a coach to decide that. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not an expert in that area. And so if somebody needs help on that, then largely I'll, I'll refer them to others other than talking about very basic principles because I'm not the expert. And, you know, but I know that's hard. I know that's hard for people to, to grasp. And I also know that there are probably even ex quote unquote experts in the nutrition world that might even be bastardizing these concepts to try to help you get to certain outputs. And so it's not a perfect solution to say, oh, we'll just push that off to a partner to somebody else who's kind of certified or, or, or has the education in that area. It might not just simply be that, but as a coach, I can only dispense advice about the running part. And I need to be very careful about how I dispense advice about the nutrition part. And of course, point people to the experts that can help you get there. But Again, I go back to first principles. Healthy inputs equals healthy outputs. So let's not worry about our weight as an output. Let's worry about are you doing the right training and are you fueling your body in a healthy way so that you get good, clean, whole foods that provide the energy you need to train and that provide the nutrients you need to be a healthy human. Those are the things that matter. And your body from there will figure out where it needs to be in order to in order to perform. And believe me, this is far more complicated. I deal with mostly adult athletes. This is also far more complicated for those who might be coaching middle school athletes, high school athletes, where those athletes are going through physiological changes in their growth. And that's a completely different equation that is especially important for coaches that working in are that are working in those worlds to have resources to tap into and that's something honestly that I haven't spent a lot of time studying but I did want to recognize especially for those who might be parents of kids in that window just to make sure that your your child is being treated holistically that they're being treated not just as athletes but as growing humans who need more than just what they need to be a good athlete. They need additionally more nutrition, more consideration in order to be a healthy growing human. And that's an important consideration that, you know, I don't deal with in the athletes that I coach, but is a really important part of this equation that for those athletes or sorry, for those coaches and or parents that are in that world need to be aware of. So that's one part of this equation is how do you operate as a coach you know, another part of this equation, I think, is how we operate with each other, how we talk about these topics. And as I mentioned, this idea of saying anything or implying anything that has to do with what people eat, how they look, what they might have on their plate what they might be wearing. All of these things are incredibly dangerous. Sometimes it manifests in what might be well-meaning ways. Like somebody might say, oh, you look really fit. Which is an implication that at some point in the past you didn't look fit. And that those words alone not only can be really dangerous and triggering people in negative ways, but are also, again, completely against what we just talked about, which is that there is no look for fitness. You can't look at somebody and judge how fit they are. It's just, it's not possible because there's so many other things that go into it than just how they present physically. And so taking that language out of our vocabulary is so important No, there is no look to fitness. There is no look to fitness. So don't say those words, even if they might be well-intended. 
you know, and, and I think there's other examples for this that we just don't even really think about or give ourselves, give ourselves awareness to. And so, you know, being hyper aware of language, you know, I already mentioned the example and I've heard this before as an athlete myself, I've seen other people make these comments, you know, especially those of us who are runners, you know, we might be quote unquote leaner than the average population, or we look a little bit different because of the miles that we put in because of the sport we've chosen. And so when I go to family dinner at Thanksgiving, Christmas, I always get comments from relatives that are well-meaning, but that are just wrong and frankly need to be addressed. And personally, I know how to process those things and ignore them, but I know some people don't. So it's really, so it can be really dangerous walking into a family environment during the holidays when you're eating meals and, 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 or really scary. And so I think being aware of that, not only as athletes ourselves, but also in how we're talking, we might be talking about others or how we might be educating others. And, and for me, I've taken to kind of gently and quietly educating people on why those things aren't good to say, you know, for me, it would come in the form of something as innocuous of, Hey, Chris, you need to have a second helping. Look at, look at you. You're too skinny. Go eat another piece of pie. That's again, a seemingly innocuous thing, but I've also had relatives. They didn't tell me this directly, but say about me that because I was so skinny, I quote unquote, looked like a cancer patient. And that, that is not only a horrible thing to say because, you know, I don't have cancer and there are people that are facing very difficult battles in that world and that's just wrong. So you're judging them as much as you are judging me by that kind of a comment. But also saying something like that, again, just could perhaps reinforce for me either some bad behavior or negative behavior or negative things about my body image if I was struggling with those things that is just completely wrong. And so I think putting on and being one, being aware and two, just really filtering your own language and three, helping gently educate people when they make comments like that, not in any, any sort of bad way, not in any condescending or, you know, angry way, but just a gentle, Hey, you know, you said that and this is how it might make somebody feel, or this is how that might be construed, or this is how that could become something that then reinforces negative outcomes down the road. And I think those gentle conversations can help educate people about why this is important. But, and, and, and again, that might come with family members who are unaware, but it also might come in your own running groups, your own communities. And, you know, how do we gently educate ourselves to not to not say those things, to not comment, to not judge people by their looks, to not judge fitness by look. And I think we need to all be better about that because again, not only is it dangerous and can reinforce behavior that can be, that can be unhealthy, but it's also just wrong. So, so that's another thing that we can all be better about. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about before I wrap this episode, which is related to weight, but I think also extends to, to more things as well, which is that in general, we're all obsessed with comparison and it's easy for us to compare, you know, ourselves to others to say, Hey, if I just, looked like that person or did things like that person or operated how that person does or thought how that person does. If I was that way, then I would get what I wanted, what I want or what I want or what I wanted. And while there's nothing wrong with seeking inspiration from others, I think we have to be really compare careful about comparing ourselves to others or even as coaches about comparing athletes to each other. And, and so, and again, that might 
extend to looks, but it could also extend to other things. Like if I just ran as many miles as that person, then I would be able to get my goals. Or if I just ran my easy runs like that person at their pace or like their paces, then I'd be able to get my goals. And I think that, or we might openly compare not only ourselves to others, but maybe others to others. So I think that's an area that we all need to be more aware of, more cognizant of. And, you know, as somebody myself, as an athlete who makes those comparisons, you know, I do it all the time in my head to others in the group that I train with. And sometimes it's conscious, sometimes it's subconscious, I think, where I say, man, if I was just like that person, then I'd be able to get the time that they ran. And the truth is, I'm different. My body's not only different, what I need from a training standpoint is is unique. My history is different, where I've come from, my progression, my age. There's so many things about me that's unique. And while certainly there's general principles that can apply to all of us, usually these comparisons come in the specific and they're not healthy, they're not productive. And so I would encourage you to really avoid the comparison trap to the extent possible and and avoid help others avoid that comparison trap because when you hear somebody comparing themselves to others when we step by and encourage them say hey no you are you you are beautiful and valuable and strong and a high performer in your own skin don't compare keep doing the work that is going to make you better keep working on the healthy inputs that will make you stronger that will help you get your goals that are specific to your starting point to your history to what you need at this time to be the best version of you and avoid those comparison traps i think that that would help all of us on this topic of of especially weight but also other things so that you know we can instead of being ashamed about who we are by comparing ourselves to others we can be proud of who are of who we are and inspired by what others are doing without the negative baggage that comes with the comparisons that we sometimes make so that's where i wanted to leave it today as we as i wrap this discussion and again i wanted to to thank you for for listening if you've gotten this far for letting me take the time to process this stuff out loud hopefully it was helpful as i said again i don't have all the answers and and while i think i have some perspectives that can be helpful to others i know that i still need to learn myself and that even some of the things i may have said today might be wrong or might be wrong in a nuanced way and need to be improved and and made better with your input. So please share with me, Chris at roguerunning.com to the extent that you have perspectives. But thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, I look forward to continuing the discussion on this topic as I hope to bring others on that can help educate us all about how we can be better. And if you do know a female coach that I could connect with to have on as a guest to talk about this more specifically from a coaching standpoint, I'd be really appreciative of that. Again, you can you can check in with me at chris at roguerunning.com. But thank you all for listening. And if you want to check us out and learn more, go to, to www.roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Or again, email me, chris at roguerunning.com if you have something to say or share. Otherwise, until next time, we'll talk to you soon.